Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I doubt it. You wait and see. She reflected once more and said to her nephew, What would you do? Fasten his arm again and let's be off, he replied. A hideous suggestion. It meant condemning Lupin to the most horrible of all deaths. Death by starvation. No said the widow. He might still find a means of escape. I know something better than that. She took down the receiver of the telephone, waited, and asked, Number 82248, please. And after a second or two, Hello, is that the Criminal Investigation Department? Is Chief Inspector Ganimard there? In twenty minutes, you say? Oh, I'm sorry. However, when he comes, give him this message from Madame Dugrival. Yes, Madame Nicolas Dugrival. Ask him to come to my flat. Tell him to open the looking-glass door of my wardrobe, and when he has done so, he will see that the wardrobe hides an outlet which makes my bedroom communicate with two other rooms. In one of these, he will find a man bound hand and foot. It is the thief, Dugrival's murderer. You don't believe me? Tell Monsieur Ganimard. He'll believe me right enough. Oh, I was almost forgetting to give you the man's name. Arsène Lupin. And without another word, she replaced the receiver. There, Lupin, that's done. After all, I would just as soon have my revenge this way. How I shall hold my sides when I read the reports of the Lupin trial. Are you coming, Gabriel? Yes, aunt. Good-bye, Lupin. You and I shan't see each other again, I expect, for we are going abroad. But I promise to send you some sweets while you're in prison. Chocolates, mother. We'll eat them together. Good-bye. Au revoir. The widow went out with her nephew, leaving Lupin fastened down to the bed. He at once moved his free arm and tried to release himself, but he realized at the first attempt that he would never have the strength to break the wire strands that bound him. Exhausted with fever and pain, what could he do in the twenty minutes or so that were left to him before Ganimard's arrival? Nor did he count upon his friends. True, he had been thrice saved from death, but this was evidently due to an astounding series of accidents and not to any interference on the part of his allies. Otherwise they would not have contented themselves with these extraordinary manifestations but would have rescued him for good and all. No, he must abandon all hope. Ganimard was coming. Ganimard would find him there. It was inevitable. There was no getting away from the fact. And the prospect of what was coming irritated him singularly. He already heard his old enemy's jibes ringing in his ears. He foresaw the roars of laughter with which the incredible news would be greeted on the morrow. To be arrested in action, so to speak, on the battlefield, by an imposing detachment of adversaries, was one thing but to be arrested, or rather picked up, scraped up, gathered up, in such condition, was really too silly. And Lupin, who had so often scoffed at others, felt all the ridicule that was falling to his share in this ending of the Dugrival business, all the pathos of allowing himself to be caught in the widow's infernal trap, and finally of being served up to the police like a dish of game, roasted to a turn and nicely seasoned. "'Blow the widow!' he growled. "'I'd rather she'd cut my throat and done with it.' He pricked up his ears. Someone was moving in the next room. Ganimard! No. Great as his eagerness would be, he could not be there yet. Besides, Ganimard would not have acted like that, would not have opened the door as gently as that other person was doing. 
What other person? Lupin remembered the three miraculous interventions to which he owed his life. Was it possible that there was really somebody who had protected him against the widow, and that that somebody was now attempting to rescue him? But if so, who? Unseen by Lupin, the stranger stooped behind the bed. Lupin heard the sound of the pliers attacking the wire strands and releasing him little by little. First his chest was freed, then his arms, then his legs, and a voice said to him, "'You must get up and dress.' Feeling very weak, he half-raised himself in bed at the moment when the stranger rose from her stooping posture. "'Who are you?' he whispered. "'Who are you?' And a great surprise overcame him. By his side stood a woman, a woman dressed in black, with a lace shawl over her head, covering part of her face. And the woman, as far as he could judge, was young and of a graceful and slender stature. "'Who are you?' he repeated. "'You must come now,' said the woman. "'There's no time to lose.' "'Can I?' asked Lupin, making a desperate effort. "'I doubt if I have the strength.' "'Drink this.' She poured some milk into a cup, and as she handed it to him her lace opened, leaving the face uncovered. "'You!' he stammered. "'It's you! It's you who—' "'It was you who were—' He stared in amazement at this woman whose features presented so striking a resemblance to Gabrielle's, whose delicate, regular face had the same pallor, whose mouth wore the same hard and forbidding expression. No sister could have borne so great a likeness to her brother. There was not a doubt possible. It was the identical person. And without believing for a moment that Gabriel had concealed himself in a woman's clothes, Lupin, on the contrary, received the distinct impression that it was a woman standing beside him, and that the stripling who had pursued him with his hatred and struck him with the dagger was in very deed a woman. In order to follow their trade with greater ease, the Duc de Valpère had accustomed her to disguise herself as a boy. "'You! You!' he repeated. "'Who would have suspected?' She emptied the contents of a phial into the cup. "'Drink this cordial,' she said. He hesitated, thinking of poison. She added, "'It was I who saved you.' "'Of course, of course,' he said. "'It was you who removed the bullets from the revolver.' "'Yes. And you who hid the knife?' Here it is in my pocket. And you who smashed the window-pane while your aunt was throttling me. Yes, it was I, with the paperweight on the table. I threw it into the street. But why? Why? he asked, in utter amazement. Drink the cordial. Didn't you want me to die? But then why did you stab me to begin with? Drink the cordial. He emptied the cup at a draught, without quite knowing the reason of his sudden confidence. Dress yourself, quickly she commanded, retiring to the window. He obeyed, and she came back to him, for he had dropped into a chair, exhausted. "'We must go now. We must. We have only just time. Collect your strength.' She bent forward a little, so that he might lean on her shoulder, and turned toward the door and the staircase. And Lupin walked as one walks in a dream, one of those queer dreams in which the most inconsequent things occur, a dream that was the happy sequel of the terrible nightmare in which he had lived for the past fortnight. A thought struck him, however. He began to laugh. <laughs> Poor Ganimard! Upon my word, the fellow has no luck. I would give tuppence to see him coming to arrest me. After descending the staircase with the aid of his companion, who supported him with incredible vigour, he found himself in the street, opposite a motor-car into which she helped him to mount. Right away, she said to the driver. Lupin, dazed by the open air and the speed at which they were travelling, hardly took stock of the drive and of the incidents on the road. 
He recovered all his consciousness when he found himself at home, in one of the flats which he occupied, looked after by his servant, to whom the girl gave a few rapid instructions. "'You can go,' he said to the man. But when the girl turned to go as well, he held her back by a fold of her dress. "'No, no, you must first explain. Why did you save me? Did you return unknown to your aunt? But why did you save me? Was it from pity?' She did not answer. With her figure drawn up and her head flung back a little, she retained her hard and impenetrable air. Nevertheless, he thought he noticed that the lines of her mouth showed not so much cruelty as bitterness. Her eyes, her beautiful dark eyes, revealed melancholy. And Lupin, without as yet understanding, received a vague intuition of what was passing within her. He seized her hand. She pushed him away with a start of revolt in which he felt hatred, almost repulsion. And when he insisted, she cried, let me be, will you? Let me be! Can't you see that I detest you? They looked at each other for a moment, Lupin disconcerted, she quivering and full of uneasiness, her pale face all flushed with unwanted color. He said to her gently, If you detested me, you should have let me die. It was simple enough. Why didn't you? Why? Why? How do I know? Her face contracted. With a sudden movement she hid it in her two hands, and he saw tears trickle between her fingers. Greatly touched, he thought of addressing her in fond words, such as one would use to a little girl whom one wished to console, and of giving her good advice, and saving her in his turn, and snatching her from the bad life which he was leading, perhaps against her better nature. But such words would have sounded ridiculous coming from his lips, and he did not know what to say now that he understood the whole story and was able to picture the young woman sitting beside his sick-bed, nursing the man whom she had wounded, admiring his pluck and gaiety, becoming attached to him, falling in love with him, and thrice over, probably in spite of herself, under a sort of instinctive impulse, amid fits of spite and rage, saving him from death. And all this was so strange, so unforeseen. Lupin was so much unmanned by his astonishment that, this time, he did not try to retain her when she made for the door backward, without taking her eyes from him. She lowered her head, smiled for an instant, and disappeared. He rang the bell quickly. "'Follow that woman,' he said to his man. Uh, "'No, stay where you are. After all, it is better so.' He sat brooding for a while, possessed by the girl's image. Then he revolved in his mind all that curious, stirring, and tragic adventure in which he had been so very near succumbing, and taking a hand-glass from the table— he gazed for a long time, and with a certain self-complacency at his features, which illness and pain had not succeeded in impairing to any great extent. "'Good looks count for something, after all,' he muttered. End of chapter 4 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to— Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.